This is Cinema Degeneration. Can't pass an old man. I didn't see him. You gotta know where everybody is. Always. What if I can't? From the screenwriter of Blade Runner comes The Blood of Heroes. Jugger's coming! Jugger's coming! Welcome to the future. <laughs> where the game of Jugger is a way of life. And death. Where men and women will risk everything to win. No league team has ever been beaten by a challenge. Gar said we could play a team from the league. You think we can do it? It's impossible. We're about the best. What do you know about the league, boy? And for those left standing on the surface of the earth... We won't accept the challenge. The real contest waits below. No challenge. Get out of the red city. The chance to play the best. And survive. Break his legs, too, for good measure. Stained with the blood of heroes. I want to win. And win. The Blood of Heroes. Starring Rutger Hauer of The Hitcher and Blade Runner. Joan Chen of The Last Emperor and Vincent D'Onofrio of Full Metal Jacket. The film Newsday magazine called a dazzling action movie, one of the most original since Road Warrior. Blood makes grade, brutal, entertaining. The action scenes are numerous and exciting. The New York Post, the blood of heroes. Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration's Wasteland Appreciation Month. We are celebrating everything dystopian, post-apocalyptic, and wasteland-inspired. And uh, we are well into the month's festivities. This may be the last episode of the month. We may do one more, but, you know, who knows? We'll see how much gas we got left in the tank. Some roving gang of marauders hadn't siphoned it off yet. Uh, <laughs> but in this world, there is no gas. There is no fuel, there is very little water or air or anything that's a left as a commodity. We are checking off a big one on the list. We are doing 1989's The Blood of Heroes, a.k.a. Salute of the Jugger. 
And joining me this afternoon is my good buddy, K- Gary Hill. How we doing? I'm doing okay. I just want to make a comment. This is AKA, don't call me Jugger Whitey. Oh, no, that's, that's Sly and the Family Stone. I'm sorry. But still, it sounds kind of racist. You know, Jugger does, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's a weird title. Because <laughs> when I was looking up, like, the 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 alternate title well, I should say it's alternately known as Blood of Heroes because it's only over here in the states and Australia where it's known as Blood of Heroes everywhere else is Salute of the Jugger. Uh, but when I was looking up jugging, uh, it, it brought up a whole bunch of other shit. It brought up a whole bunch of like drinking moonshine straight from the jug, getting you know uh, uh, wasted off of moonshine. I'm like, no, no, I'm not looking up that kind of jugging. Uh, different, completely type of jugging. But uh, yeah, and you get to wonder what we're rambling on about here, folks. This is a, a story about it's a, a sports-based uh, post-apocalyptic wasteland flick. It's about a sport that a, a sport that actually became a real sport after the film. And I'm going to read you off a little bit from the Wikipedia page here because jugging is a sport that was inspired by the 1989 film "The Salute to the Jugger," released as Bloody Heroes in the United States. The film version was invented by the film stunt coordinator Guy Norris and its writer-director David Webb Peoples, especially for the movie. The jugging is a sport that gained popularity in Germany and spread to teams in Australia, New Zealand, Austria, Ireland, uh, Latvia, Lithuania, Canada, Mexico, Argentina, United States, Romania, you name it. Uh, several variations on the game's uh, rules exist. Uh, some focus on teamwork, speed, and agility, and referred to in the sport as the sport jugger. While many others use the model that more closely resembled the aesthetics and the different intensities of the gameplay in the movie. But basically, it's a version of football where you play with a decorated and, and embossed uh Dog skull like that to put on a spike. It's kind of like capture the flag, I guess you would say, wouldn't you, Gary? Yeah, that or um, I had as soon as I see what they were doing, I had breakthrough and conquer from American leaders in my brain. You know, <laughs> right, right. I kept waiting for Gemini to come out and like Gemini to come out and start some shit or something. You know. Yeah, it's it's like part, you know, it's almost like part hockey in a way because they're just hockey to me is just you know ice skating and beating the shit out of somebody, you know, as Carlin would say, you know, so it's like a lot of beating the shit out of somebody, a lot of like American gladiators, like soccer, football, all kind of rolled into one. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the Bloody Heroes, 1989, written and directed by David Webb Peebles, starring Rooker Hauer as uh, <clears throat> Rooker Hauer as Sallow, Joan Chen as Kidda, Delroy Lindo, Lindo as Mabulu, Anna Katarina is Big Simber, Vincent Philip D'Onofrio as Young Gar, and Gandhi McIntyre as Gandhi, and then some other people further on down the list, that, so you wouldn't notice them, but uh, Hugh Keys Byrne is in it as Lord Vile, and uh, Richard Norton pops up uh, for a hot minute at the end. You wouldn't know it was him because he wears a mask the entire time until he pops his mask off and looks at old Gandhi until Gandhi smiles at him and gives him that shit-eating grin. If you guys don't know, recognize that Hugh Keys burn. That's a, that's the toe cutter and a, a Morton Joe from the Mad Max series. So, right, right. <laughs> I love the pre-title card. I'm going to give everybody at home the pre-title card. 
people no longer remembered the golden age of the 20th century. They didn't remember the miraculous technology or the cruel wars that followed. They didn't even remember when Juggers first played the game or how it became to be played with a dog skull. And if that doesn't tell you what kind of shit you're in for, I don't know what does. It's, a, it's an odd one for sure, because you look at the way the game is played and they never really explain why, why uh, it is a dog skull. It's just, it's just, hey, we got this nice bag of dog skulls. You know, God knows what they probably from eating, you know, animals in the wild. They collected all these skulls. And it's just, hey, this seems kind of sacred. We're going to use this as a ball because balls don't exist anymore, except in the the men who jug, of course, or or juggalies or juggalos, or we're going to call them. But they're saying, hey, you know, let's use this dog skull. It seems kind of sacred, you know. Yeah, yeah. And for something that, I mean, we got to mention it first off here, the game is brutal as fuck. These people are scarred up, beat up, missing sometimes fingers and toes, eyes and teeth, and and just scarred up, all crudely stitched together by their, like, you know, they all have, like, a doctor for their team. And this team's, like, doctor is is Gandhi. He's got a little bit of uh, comedic levity going on here, but not much. But uh, I, I first, you know, when I first impression of this was that suiting up takes forever, but for as brutal as fuck as the game is, I understand why they're, you know, using strips of leather, car tires. There's always car tires used in post-apocalyptic flicks as part of the, you know, the motif, I guess you could say, right? I'd say so, you know, whatever, whatever materials they could find, I guess, in the wild that would give them padding to, you know, <laughs> I guess to, to, to street jugger, if you will, because you, you get um, like arena style jugging later because there's a whole talk of the league. Uh, our, our our man, Rucker Howard, was in the league and how much big of a deal the fucking league is, which is just, you know, a more organized play they have in arena. It, it feels like a, like the best of the best if it was for jugging, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you kind of almost expect Philip Ree and uh, Eric Roberts to come up out of, the, out of the, 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 the underground city when they get to it, right? <clears throat> They're totally going to tie... Um, uh, get old Rucker's arm off in this movie just so we can continue. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the uh, one thing that's, I'll say about this movie, and it's not a knock to the film at all, but it's very low on plot. You know, it's very high, uh, high on octane uh, action. It's, you know, low on plot, but it's just like it hits that point where they're just, you know, montaging from one, one town to the next. And like, in the middle of it, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, Rucker Howard's going to lose a fucking eye in the middle of this. Yeah, makes him look more badass because he has like a a strapped eye patch on his eyeball, and like, you know what? I could do this with one eye. Let, let, let me go jugging, man. It's all good. Yeah, he's like, I'm better with one eye than you are with two. Am I right? But, totally uh, right. But I love at the beginning of the game because I mean, it starts right off into it. You know, it's almost shot like a western. And I gotta mention, uh, David Egby was the man who was the cinematographer on this. He did one of my favorite movies, uh, totally off the subject here, but he did Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. He was director of photography on that. He did about a year, two years after this movie, but he also did Warlock uh, with the late, great Julian Sands. But also uh, another, you know, a post-apocalyptic movie. He did the original Mad Max 
which was his first uh, theatrical film. So, I mean, he started off with a bang. Yeah, this film is very Australian. They have Australian actors in it. It was filmed, I forget where in Australia, it was filmed there. And yeah, I can see why they would have that cinematographer because uh, he was he was local, I'd imagine. Yeah, it was, um, I, I wrote down where it was shot, but I'm trying to remember. Oh, the Cooper Petty was uh, where the, the local area where it was shot. And it said, uh, as the casting director said, it was the most extraordinary bunch of characters I've ever met. And I'm sure he was right on that, or they were right on that. Uh, an interesting story to tell you how far out in the middle of nowhere they were. I wrote this down from the IMDb. According to Ricker Howard's biography, and I don't remember this because I, I read his biography, all those moments, and I don't remember him tell, telling this story, but apparently it was in the book that he had taken a motorcycle ride in the middle of the outback, followed a kangaroo for a bit into the wild, and then found himself lost in the desert. And after a while, somehow got pointed back in the right direction and made it back to set before he ran out of gas. Like, not an area you'd probably want to run out of gas and you'd like, run into like McTaylor and shit. Yeah, if the Simpsons talk me anything, you shouldn't follow wolves on vision quests. It's just so <laughs> there's that. And yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, I mean, basically the gist of the story, like I said before, is a little I mean, I'm again I'm not saying this to be a knock on it, but it's a little short on plot. It's basically about, you know, this gr- group of juggers that come into a small town. They're they're uh Quick, which is the runner who runs the dog skull onto the spike, uh, gets really, really injured uh, during a local match. And they bring along, well, they don't bring along. Joan Chen just sort of tags along as their new quick. She, you know, defeated them, you know, helped defeat them. And I I love the part when they're talking about in the middle of the the match, because it goes 100 stones where they're literally throwing pebbles at this sheet of like sheet metal and this 100 stones is like the one third of the game they go 300 stones 100 stones at a time with breaks and where the actress playing uh, big simber says hey i can't put him down it's like i'll put him down you just fucking sit on him this is stupid we should all be fucking and drinking by now and i just love but even in the you know this post-apocalyptic future of like what 2037 i think is what's supposed to be they like that these are sports heroes they care about drinking and fucking well that's that's for victory you know it's, it's just like watching conan you know to, to the victor goes the you know the naked women and the, and the the meats and the drinks you know <laughs> and when that's not enough you just go and steal the king's jewels right only if you're bored, because that, that was done out of boredom. They say, hey, g- g- give me that. Yeah, I'll go steal the, the king's jewels and and then in turn go on another quest. And, and uh, uh, oh, by, by the way, throwing stones is sheet metal. Worst unit of, of time ever. Okay. <laughs> worst thing ever. Yeah. Is this like, what did it's you like the guy say? Like, really well, slow. He's like, oh, we got the slow with the slow stone throw today. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. Fuck, I lost count. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you had one job, man. One fucking job. Uh, but yeah, my my summarization after this first game, when you know uh, Salo's team wins, uh, the 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 jugger the juggers are kind of rock stars, but poor dog boy, he gets fucked up. I mean, like, because like I kind of got it wrong in the beginning, like you know. They don't win, but like 
poor, I mean, poor dog boy, he loses for uh, Salo's team winning. I mean, they're just fucking, he just gets all fucked up. And and the fact that he doesn't have the most best name in the world, they just call him dog boy. It's just like, come on, you could be a little bit more respectful to him. Yeah, dog boy's a little rough. It's like, um, it's like I was just watching Mad Max earlier and there's a guy I work with called John and. I said the, I, I make the, the the reference all the time of, of Johnny the boy. He has no idea what I'm talking about, but the fact that I still call him Johnny the boy, he doesn't know, kind of makes me happy a little bit, you know. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's great. That's a great story. <laughs> oh, but like I can't believe this. Like had you know a young Vincent D'Onofrio going as like Vincent Philip D'Onofrio, you know, and this was well after his. Uh, you know, his, his stint in uh, Full Metal Jacket. So it was kind of neat seeing him in this again. I hadn't watched it in a couple of years. I'd almost forgotten he was in it. I'd have to look it up, but this this might be before. No, this is after um, Adventures in Babysitting, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it is after. It, it, still, it, still, it still impresses me when he shows up in that because he's such an Adonis in, in Adventures in Babysitting, you know? Yeah, he's a he is a fucking Adonis, and in this he's rough. He's as rough as everybody else, man. That, that there is really nothing or nobody pretty in this movie. If they are, they don't last very long. They get fucked up. You know the look. The look of it is right though. These look like folks that haven't eaten in a while, or like have been out in the desert for a very long time, or you know, ridden hard and, and, and drove in wet kind of deal. It, it they look like they've been, you know, in the shit for a long time. So I guess the look at the people is just right. I mean, cricket with the scars on their faces and um, good old Delroy Lindo, which it, the biggest crime is to waste the Delroy Lindo um, uh, role. And he gets very little to do with this movie. So I guess that's a flaw in this movie for me. So there's that. Yeah. I think if there's one biggest flaw in this movie, if it's not Delroy Lindo being reduced in his role, is uh, Hugh Keys Byrne not not being it very much. You know, he fucking is so enigmatic and so captivating. You know, whether he's a Morton Joe, whether he's the toe cutter, even as Lord Vile, what little he gets to play. You know, when he's on camera, there, nothing else matters, and he doesn't come into like an hour into the movie. It's just like ah, oh, like. Come on, that's my boy right now. Come on, don't do one like that. You need to look at her dramatically, Greg. You get like like a slick back hair. Like, yeah, I run the fancy jugging, and then that's about the most he can. I just like I just watched Mad Max this morning, and you see his overacting, his over his over dramatization. Can't use words today. Dramatization of everything in that movie. Yeah, that makes me sad. It's just just wasting toe cutter. <laughs> yeah, like. I, I, I kept telling Patty, my wife, that, that uh, you know, he was in this. And she kept looking at me, like, about every 20 minutes, like, is he in it yet? Is he in it yet? <laughs> How about now? I'm like, no, honey, not now. <laughs> He'll be in here eventually. Again, still a great fucking movie. I, I got to say, I love this movie. But it's, uh, yeah, those two things kind of, like, do hinder my enjoyment of it just a little bit. But yeah, it's it's very it's I'm sorry, it's paced incredibly well as far as this the kind of film this goes, where they're just like roaming around looking for matches, and that that could wear pretty thin pretty fast. But 
I think the performances you got with these people, you know, working together so well and the look, them really acting with the look of the, the, the look of them. And I, I think that it works really well as far as like a narrative goes, because I'm not really bored throughout the I forget the runtime of this, but I, I um, I'm not bored at all during the whole runtime of this. And I think it's more than an hour and a half. Yeah, it's like uh, 95, 96 minutes, something like that, I believe. But it never feels like it. It feels like a, a flat 80. But, I mean, I guess I would say the one time that it, it's, it does, when it gets to the city at first, it does slow down there for a tick for like 10 or 15 minutes when they're getting acclimated to the city. But I'm, I was so taken aback by that stark contrast when they got from, you know, I guess you would say topside on the desert. And when they get to this thing, it just looks like an elevator shaft, like an elevator booth just in the middle of the desert with a line going to it. And the cities are all underground because like, like, what did I write down here? Like nine cities all are underground. Of course the elite in live underground with in luxury while everybody else is living in the wasteland chewing on rats. Yeah, it, remind, it reminds you of a lot of films like this, like like Land of the Dead. Except Land of the Dead was above ground, obviously. It was a giant, like, giant condo uh, slash mall slash whatever. And it's just, I just love the the underground field. It's like, like I said, the best of the best, too, you know. Right. Can't wait for Wayne Newton to pop out and do some announcing for this, for the jugging. I was at least expecting, what's his name from uh, Thunderdome to pop up and do a two men enter, one man leaves motif. And now to fight. Uh, oh, what's Record Hour's name in this movie again? I forget now. It's, it's uh, uh, Sallow. Now to fight Sallow. Brackus. Brackus, people. Brackus. This film needs a Brackus to, to fight Sallow at the end of this because the guys he, they, he, that he fights are kind of plain. So, so you kind of need like that muscle bound dude to be like his secret weapon to say, okay, when this guy too much trouble we're gonna break out the big guns especially when there are a lot of they, they have substitu- substitutions to make and they had no they have you want like that big asshole to come out and just like fuck people up right right <laughs> you know what was the big guy's name that he fights against? Sal- I forget. again he wasn't very uh, big wait gonzo wasn't like, it beefy guy i think the, so yeah. the big guy that, that looked like a, like a wasteland version of chop top because he's got that like head plate in the middle of his forehead yes yes yeah i forgot the actor's name but i think the character name was uh was gonzo now that brings me to a question here how how many injury injuries do you think were had on set because i saw a lot of face checking going on like um, between stuntmen and actors i'm sure everybody was eating some shit it's it's a lot of you know possible injuries, especially with um the thing that that whatever that cat of nine tails chain thing that this Denofrio swings around in this movie, you would think that's just oh yeah trouble. yeah yeah that, that, that weird chain thing that made a a whistle noise like those things you get from the dollar store those those tubes that would make the noise when you swing it around you know yeah they're kind of like the old school like fake uh, lightsabers they used to sell in the eighties uh huh. <laughs> flea market lightsabers folks that was a thing 
Oh shit! Wait, and and I had one of them. I had several of them. But yeah, this 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 movie does kind of displays the the sports hero's journey. I mean, like you got the old guy, you know, that's uh, Rucker Howard. He was part of the league, he, you know, but he got he fucked around with an elegant lady, as they said, and you know he was kicked out of the leagues, but he still has the league tattoo on his head. So everybody sees him, they're just like, oh shit, you know, somebody real has shown up. So when they get into that montage in the middle where they're just going from you know fight after fight, game after game. They're just kicking all sorts of ass, even like when he loses his eye, he's still kicking ass without missing an eye. But, uh, you know, the young ones of the group, uh, which is Vincent D'Onofrio and uh, Joan Chen's character, Kidda, and what was D'Onofrio's character's name again? Gar, I think. But yeah, I think so. I think his name was Gar. Anyway, uh, but, you know, like when they find out, that you know he was a uh, you know they, they they start you know speaking you know behind his back a little bit that he was a member of the league. Kidda you know straights up tells him like I want to go and fight in the league and she kind of plants that fire in his ass that just you know and he decides yeah he wants to go back. And a thing that I like about this movie is the fact that the women juggers were just as respected and as revered as the men, and they got to the pick their pick of like entertainment. Because Big Simber, she like takes one under un, one dude under each arm. She takes the two biggest guys and like come back to my tent. <laughs> I can, this is like eighty nine. Um, I can see it was like eight, like eighty three. You know, you might see a lot, a lot less of that, and you you would you see a lot less oh, of yeah. that. And uh, but this is more um, your your past Terminator, your past um aliens. You know, so you you got more more room for a little more girl power in these kind of movies. Yeah, and um, but thinking of. It also bears mentioning is Big Simber doesn't need anybody's help. She needs a little bit of help at the end because she gets injured, but like she is just as badass as anybody else. And she was also in another movie that we reviewed here uh, with uh, Rooker Hauer, Omega Doom. She played the bartender, which I totally forgotten about because when I seen her, I was about halfway through the movie. I'm like, who's this Anna Katarina? I'm like, I knew I recognized her from something, but like, underneath all the makeup and like the braids and her hair and the scars and the discolorations. Cause these, like, again, these people are all fucked up. I finally recognized Like I, okay, I got to look her up and found out. Yep. She was an Omega doom. Albert Pune joint. Yeah. That's always a goodie. But uh, yeah, I, I, I do love some of the humor in this, uh, in this movie is not, overly done and it's just like a, a off-put line like when Sella walks in on Gar and Kidda fucking after a game and he just stands there and watches for a moment picking at his wounds like picking I think uh, he's always picking dust and bits of gravel out of his wounds and he says two juggers can't fuck after the game it just doesn't work you're just rubbing wounds on wounds and I'm like dude it seems like it was working out pretty well until you fucking showed up and cockblocked both of them hey, it works in David Cronenberg's movies you know <laughs> right, a, a little little wound on wound action, yeah. A little crash me- reference there, isn't yeah, I right? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's gross. It is what it is, you know. <laughs> well, you just said Cronenberg. It's all. It's obviously going to be a little gross. Oh yeah. Well, I've seen a lot of gross things in in, in you know Cronenberg films, but you know, having the urge to to fuck a wound, uh, th- that makes me sick just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that even turns my stomach a little bit. 
as much as I love me some Cronenberg, uh, Crash is not one that I've uh, gone back and revisited much over the years. Yeah, yeah no, no, no kink shaming here, guys. I'm, I'm just saying it's not for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But it doesn't take much uh, take much for Kitta and Gar to, you know, they talk, uh, you know, Sallow, Rucker Hauer's character and going back to the league, you know, and, and challenging somebody in one of the underground, the nine cities. And this is where we get a little bit of backstory, a little exposition 101, where they say that, like, no league has ever been beaten by a challenge. So no challenger has ever beaten in a, a, a beaten a league game. And that when Salo's team first challenged them, they only lasted 26 stones of one round and only two of them were left standing. That right there says that, you know, that these people are in for some shit. I think they're, you know what I mean? But like, they're all eager to challenge these people, but I don't think they're, they're ready for like, you know, what they're about to face. It's a different kind of league. Oh yeah. And then when you get there, another little flaw of this movie is, it looks really fancy, but nobody seems to be as as ballsy as our 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 our, 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 our more outdoorsy type uh, team, you know, <laughs> our our t- team wasteland, if you will. Yeah, because I feel like the 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 team, you know, the because in the league, you know, they they talk about like their silk that were uh, you know a fabric that feels like the wind on your cheek. You know, people have silk, and you know, like they're not used to anything like that. Everything is homemade clothing, you know, everything that you know, everything. Uh, uh, you know everything in this in this world is like they said in Fury Road. You know everything in this world is pain, and that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> the world that they live in. When they get down below, there, there's banquets, there's food, there's places to sleep. You know, there's water. There. I mean, yeah, it's all very haphazardly slapped together, but it is a form of civilization like they've never known, and. They don't really get to experience it that much, but then when they realize, you know, what they they could be in for, they're all for it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it, even you know, they 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 put a lot of prestige on this league thing. Like he was a he was a league jugger, yada yada yada. But it doesn't seem like the way they talk about it, like he was too successful at it. So your 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 lady character, Joan Chen, her her name is what again? I'm sorry, I'm lost uh, here. Kidda. Kidda. Yeah, Kidda, you know, she she just, most of the time, you know, every time he turns down the, the fact that he was in this league and there's all this prestige to it, she's like, you know, I can fucking do better than that. You know what? She she kind of finds her bearings, like, uh, she finds her balls, if you will, in, in the final match of this movie. Yeah, she really comes into her own in the end. Like, she's full of piss and vinegar, but... The, like well, like in, in in the first game, you know, she gets busted in the face that she, you know, that she plays with them when she gets through the uh, what do you want to call it, like the initiation, you know, her mm-hmm. her t- her test screening, if you will, and you know she doesn't really do that well, but like she gets that guy down. She, what she do? She improvises yep. and she bites his fucking ear off. Like when in doubt, go for the ear. She's got spunk, man. I'll tell I'll tell you that much. Yeah, that's for sure. The the old Mike Tyson uh, philosophy right there. Just go for the year. <laughs> Can't beat him, bite him. <laughs> yeah, like it's a, it does slow down a little bit when they get to the city, but I I I kind of like it a little bit more for that, you know, because it, it it's a totally different world. The 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 gears of the movie should turn a different speed when they get there, because now we're in a totally different atmosphere. Everything has been sand and desert, and you know. 
just empty skies for year, for miles that you can see. And uh, when they get there and Salo first gets there, he bypasses everything. Everybody else is enamored with all like there's, you know, there's booths with food and vendors and, th- you know, games going on. Like I, I made a note, like they're playing chess with a makeshift board and rivets and sockets. You know, I, I love movies that like repurpose stuff like that, you know, that really go into the detail for, you know, their wasteland kind of stuff. I mean, this could be like a, a world where, you know, nobody's, you know, dependent on where you're at. You, you may not have heard of the, of the game of chess. So it's all it's all new to you, you know. Right, right. Yeah, there's no Monopoly boards <laughs> in this kind of world. But yeah, when they go there, Salo goes straight for the juggers. He's going to watch in a game, uh, you know, or watching a match. And he uh, touches base with his buddy Gonzo, uh, who I forgot. I didn't write down who played Gonzo. He was a big boy, though. He was a big barrel chested motherfucker. But like, he actually seems a little bit happy to see him. But, you know. You, you know, it's not going to, you know, it's just not going to end well for any of them. Uh, you know, that the, they're not going to have like, oh, it, here we are, you know, we're like good old buddies once again. Oh, it was Max Fairchild was his name. Because when they go into the, the, like, I call it the inner sanctum scene. When they go into the inner, inner sanctum and they uh, go to the overlords to, you know, apply, I guess, you know, for... Almost said for citizenship and not for citizenship, but for playership, so they can play a game and you know and challenge the league. Hugh Keysburn is there. Yes, that Hugh Keysburn uh, is Lord Vile. And what a like fucking name! I know it's probably pronounced Ville, but I call it Vile because that's just it, you know Lord Lord Vile and Morton Joe. They both have good rings to them, I think. Oh yeah, for sure, uh, absolutely badass. Yeah. <laughs> But it's just also like how they got Richard Norton in this movie and they don't really utilize him much. He's just like almost, I don't want to say glorified extra, but he's just a, another jugger. And, you know, and you really don't even get the notice that it's him, except for when he tears his mask off at the end to stare down Gandhi. And he was, he was pretty, I wouldn't say all the way established yet, but he, he was pretty established at this point, like at least on the way to be established. Yeah, yeah. He was at least like establishing himself and should have probably been featured a little bit more you know hell he was at least had done a half dozen or so cynthia rothrock movies at that time but you know i, I, I have to see when china o'brien came out but i'm not 100 sure it might have been before 89 or after 89 I, i'll look it up right now and get back to you <laughs> yeah do that do that because i wanted to say it was before 89 but i might be way off on that i, I could be way way off Ah, but what happens, you know, Salo, you know, he gets noticed. That's the thing. He tries hiding behind, like, uh, Mabulu's character and uh, Big Simber. You know, they kind of, like, walk shoulder to shoulder, and he kind of slinks behind him when the the judges or the overlords see him. And they're not going to let him in. At first, they're not going to let him in because he's been disgraced. He's not part of the league. You know, he disgraced himself by fucking around with uh, an elegant lady. Now, did you get the idea... When watching this, Gary, that the the lady that was walking around, whose character's name was uh, I don't think ever said in the movie, but it says in the in the IMDb credits, her name was Mara, played by Leah Francesca. I get the idea that she was hanging around with Hugh Keys Burn, that that was his his you know mate 
his partner or whatever. And that was the lady that he had messed around with. I, that's the idea I got, but I didn't uh, know. What yeah, it seemed that? like that was like his 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 bottom his bottom woman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I kind of uh, got the idea myself. Oh, here's here's his credits. He started. In, it's pretty pretty amazing credits for an action star. Uh, started in in eighty with the Octagon with Chuck Norris. Uh, Force Five from eighty one. If you haven't seen Force Five, go watch it. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Back with back with Chuck again. Force Vengeance. Um, not as good as the Octagon, but go for it. Uh, the the immortal uh, Jim Cotta, he's in that movie. Um, uncredited. Oh, yeah, American he is, Ninja. isn't he? Yeah, uncredited American Ninja. Um, Equalizer two thousand, which is the film I've seen about a stupid machine gun in the desert. Uh, another <laughs> wasteland movie. Uh, if we ever do a second month of this, we'll definitely put that on the list. It, it is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, fight the win at eighty seven. That's by his first his first Cynthia Roth rock joint. Um, so predating this by at least two years, right? Yes, he's already been well established in the action genre. He's got like like eight more credits past this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. China O'Brien was ninety, so it was right after this. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but he was still. I mean, if he'd already done a couple of Chuck movies, but before this, I mean, he he probably could have, should have, would have been, uh, or at least should have been uh, featured a little bit better. Because I, I don't you know to be like. 20th build on this is just kind of a sacrilege. Yep. Jim, Jim Cotta, kids. If you haven't caught it yet, go 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 catch Jim Cotta. Yeah, Jim Cotta is stupid. Stupid fun, but stupid. I, I love the movie. It's highly entertaining, but it's like, it's lowbrow Broterian type shit. Guess who's watching Kurt Thomas do do, do karate kicks off a of pommel horse uh, slash rebar and concrete this guy tonight, okay? <laughs> <laughs> right on. I, I would never turn down a, ch- a chance to watch Jim Cotta. Uh, one note I had here, I, I don't know why I, I put this down. I'm like, Gar, during their initiation at at the Nine Cities, talks a lot of shit and gets shot down big time when he just starts swinging that chain above his head and starts, ah, ah, and then he just kind of dies it down like, <clears throat> okay, I'll just, I'll just go over here and go fuck myself. Right now, but that, yeah, I think yeah, that... shut down totally. You know, it's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> but like, I don't think anybody would be surprised if we told them, Gary, that the uh, the Lord Vile character wants Sallow's buddy to Gonzo to do what ruin Sallow and bust him up. I think he even says specifically to ruin him and break both his legs. And he tells him to do it on the 26th stone also to kind of like rub salt in the wound. Like, oh, you lasted 26 stones against us the first time. Well, here, we'll show you what it's like and we'll break both your legs and just destroy you. And you can kind of tell as much as Gonzo doesn't want to do it, he's going to do He fully intends to do it because he's not going to lose his place in the league. He's got it. He's got it. A cushy little job for him. That, that works so much better in, in Pulp Fiction. If, if Marcellus Wallace told Butch, that, you know, on 26 stone, my ass goes down. Safe. <laughs> you know. <laughs> on 26 stone, my ass goes down. Uh, but the fight's not quite fair. I mean, it's, an, it's another, uh, you know, it's just another, you know, game. There's really nothing special to the way they play in this league, except that it's indoors and it's not in the dirt. So you don't got that, that aspect of it. No sand getting kicked in your face. 
But the they, they have much better padding than, than our desert people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, much more legit type stuff. This stuff looks uh, a, a little bit better crafted, you might say. But, I mean, Gonzo and his team don't fight quite fair. I mean, Gonzo just literally sits on Salo's back. And everybody comes, you know, and I mean, I, I get it. They're not supposed to be playing fair. And I guess if that's, you know, there's no rule against it. Who am I to say that he's, you know, playing fair or not? Uh, but, you know, everybody comes running when in this final match, you know, because we're getting towards the end of the movie here. The, the big that final match when they're playing because they're playing their fucking hearts out and they're fucking winning. Or at least they're they're keeping up. And when. Uh, the little I call it like the little newspaper boys scene where he comes running. It's like, you know, you know, the challengers, the last of 50 stones, the last of 50 stones, everybody comes running. They want to see this game and rightfully so, because it's I mean, the action is very well choreographed and very well shot, you know, for not being, you know, uh, you know, being being in the days before CGI and green screen, you know, really. You know what that scene needed? I'll tell you right now. It needed some Look, montage music, not necessarily like you know, like uh, like with with words, but like like a synth score like montage music, like like Vince Tacola, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have a montage. <clears throat> it needed some montage music, you know. Yeah, yeah, it could have. It would have made a. It kicked it up a notch. You you, you hit that hook, and all of a sudden, like good old Solo is like wiping the sweat from his brows, like that's right, bitch, you know. Who's 26 stones now, motherfucker? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I don't know why they call this uh, the bloody heroes. I mean, I know it, it's bloody and they're all supposed to be the, the futuristic version of heroes. They should have just stayed with Salute of the Jugger. I think that has a much better ring to it. Oh, I agree. Because the, the whole time they're, they're talking about these, you know, it's right at the beginning of the film. That same boy is running through the wasteland saying, the chakras are coming, the chakras are coming, you know, all that shit. And it, it, it sets up that the, I, I give the kid, the town crier, one thing. He sets up that these juggers are some bad dudes right in the opening of the film. So there's that. That's true. It's such a, it, it does set a precedence of like how tough they are, how legendary are they are. It's almost like, you know, Mad Max himself has walked into town like Max is here, Max is here, you know. But you get into this final game, and it just feels a lot different because you're seeing these guys, you know, are, are, are desert are desert gang. You know, like you said, you know, they don't have the gear that these guys have. They don't have the tools these guys have, but they have, you know, the guts. And But poor uh, Big Simber, she gets injured. You know, I think she gets her leg broke and then gets all cut up. She can't last. She lasts to the end of 100 Stone where she's just hanging on to that guy's fucking leg, just fighting it. You know, and God damn, I mean, if you can't, if, I was literally fist pumping for Simber, you know, because I know, I know how this movie ends and I know how things go, but I, I, you know, still can't help it. I was cheering for her, but like, oh yeah, for, for sure. You know, it's like one of, one of, you know, a few in the movie that, that, you know, are strong female characters that just show up in this movie. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And they, and they never, they never, uh you know, reduce that quality, re- reduce that element. You know, they're all equals, and I, and I like that. Uh, you know, they're all this is equal badass, and they're fighting just as hard for the same collective goal. They just want to win. But, uh, you know, uh, when they when they bring in, oh, like, who would they bring in is the relief, is the pinch hitter, so to speak, is when they bring in Gandhi. And, like, he's, like, he's part of the team, so he can play, and, you know, and again, this... Just another thing, he's like, I'll put him down, you sit on him, 
and uh, that's what they do. They, uh, but I love when Salo at the end. I mean, this is the best part, and this is in the final minutes of the movie. It was when Salo takes his mask off after putting down Gonzo, and he's staring through that 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 grate at Lord Vile. Just takes his mask off and stares at him, gives him the fucking stink eye from hell, and stares down Lord Vile and turns to uh, Kitta. She's got the the dog skull and instead of like. You know, they've got everybody held back. Everybody's in their positions. And he's just like, walk it slowly. And she does. She does. Instead of, you know, and this is a game where everything's about timing. You know, that could have cost them. But it didn't. And I fucking love it for that. Yeah, he's telling her, man, you, you earned this fucking do with fucking confidence. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, the end of, of Staying Alive. That, that is a sequel to Saturday Beaver where he's like, well, what are you doing? I got to strut. And then he struts. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is like that. And only here in Cinema Degeneration could we compare uh, staying alive to the salute of the jugger. You heard it here Cam- first, folks. Cameron, tr- truth time, everybody needs to experience Satan's Alley and, and the, <laughs> the, the illustrious uh, Frank Stallone song, Far From Over, with the dance montage. And again, gotta have a montage. This is the end. So good, man, you know. But yeah, that's essentially... I'll, I'll listen to it. You get pumped up every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll listen to the soundtrack every once in a while. I had it on Laserdisc once upon a time ago, and I traded it off for a copy of Aliens, <laughs> of all things. Hey, that's uh, a good trade. Yeah, I got the the Aliens director's cut. I was just like, yeah, I'll I'll, t- I'll trade Saturday Night Fever and Staying Alive for this. You know, but uh, what a lot of people don't know is that this movie has a director's cut. It's in on Japan laser disc and on a two disc Blu-ray that came out a couple years ago, but it's got like eight, nine minutes of extra footage, which is basically just action and blood and more sewing up of facial wounds and shit. But it's also got a bumper of an ending, which I've only seen on YouTube, which extends the ending out a little bit because the way it ends, they, they win you know, Salo is kind of watching Kidda and Gar get accepted by the league, and he, you kind of know that like the two youngins are going to make it in. They're never going to let they're never going to let Salo back in. But the alternative ending is him with the remainder of his group with all new players at another you know at another campsite above ground, so they didn't didn't get to stay in the city and perform in the league. So I kind of understand that they cut that extended ending because it ends on such a down note to know that Salo and the rest of his crew, you know, weren't accepted into the league. But like, you know, I mean, I guess ending it the way they did with the montage of, you know, the elegant people and the Lords and the Lord, uh, <clears throat> the Lords, you know, welcome them and shaking their hands and doing the, the meet and greets, you know, it was more of the upbeat kind of ending, but I kind of like a more realistic uh, downer kind of an ending. I'm an empire strikes back kind of guy. I did watch the director's cut, you know, totally by accident, the salute of the Jugger's cut. And um, the ending in that is, is much better than the other one you describe, in my opinion, because the, the ending is him, you know, staring out into, like, the distance. And because you know, somebody tells him, you know, look over there. And there's those guys in those the special padding that the, the, the arena people had, the league people had. And he just... He's, he's got the eye patch off, and he gives them a smirk, like "Bring it, motherfuckers!" And that's that's the end of your 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 ah. salute to the juggers. And uh, oh, okay, I think it's more badass. It's it's kind of spectacular. Like we're in the desert, man, but fuck bitches, man. We're gonna kill some people. We're gonna steal their shit. 
we're gonna fucking pillage these fucking bad dudes. You know, he's he's ready for action. Yeah, I kind of always would have hoped this would have done better and had a sequel. I would have loved to see this world expanded. You know, most of the times uh, sequels ruin things, but I, I could have done with a sequel for this. Uh, have you done? Uh, well, I'll ask you this off air. Fuck that shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, well, that, that is essentially the end of our movie. Is um, there any other notes that you had from watching the the salute of the jugger because i've ever i don't know if you've watched it as blood of heroes as well but is there any other scenes that are you know some no notable scenes that you can mention we we covered it pretty good and this is probably like the second or third time i ever watched this and it's always been i imagine the regular cut because that wasn't really available to to us until the blu-ray came out i think and um yeah, good action all the way through. It, it keeps you in it. And people will think, that, oh, what you're saying, you're really bringing it down. But, you know, it, it really it really keeps you in it as far as, like, a, a narrative goes. So you will not be bored through the 96 minutes or so this movie is, I think. And um, we forgot to mention the director uh, also wrote this. This is, like, his only, only director credit. But if you look, right. at, his, if you look at his credits, it's, it's pretty phenomenal for writing uh, Blade Runner, Lady Hawk, Leviathan, then this movie, which it sounds really less of it, but you know, it, it should sound less because the next one you get after Fatal Sky, which I haven't seen, is Unforgiven with, with Clint Eastwood. Right. And, yeah. yeah. And 12 Monkeys and the TV show 12 Monkeys and Soldier, which is the, the Kurt Russell Robot Man movie. And um, yeah, just, just banger after banger as far as writing credits go. And so if you guys don't think this was successful, this guy was very successful. <laughs> well, and he, he also, like, wrote, I mean, like, he, he must have had it in in good with Rucker Howard because he did write Blade Runner. He wrote this and wrote Lady Hawk, all three of which Rucker Howard starred in. Yes, sir. But yeah, like, very accomplished writer as a director. This was it. But, like, hey, he, he made a banger, I think. But uh, before we get off into our final thoughts and reviews, I should have done this at the beginning of the show, but I can maybe re-edit it in such a way that it'll seem like I did, but who knows, maybe we'll just play it off this way. Uh, I meant to ask you if you have a favorite Wasteland post-apocalyptic-themed movie, if this is it, or if if it's a totally different movie. But, you know, if you do have a favorite Wasteland movie, what what is it? It can't be it, but it's it's, it's, it's an easy choice because, you know, there's the road warrior and then there's imitators it, it just it just it's just the way it is yeah i don't explain to people you know and i love folks bear with me now i love these kind of rip-offs i love the the, the, the most likely post-apocalyptic movies but there's the road warrior and then there's everything else exactly now, I, yeah i don't know what to tell you <laughs> otherwise you know well, i've already given my answer on the air for the previous half a dozen episodes it's also the road warrior because there's there's a road road warriors sets the tone for which all of the other movies are compared to, at least as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I, lo- I love Mad Max, but you didn't reach that wasteland status yet quite a bit. I mean, you had bad dudes on the road to Mad Max, and you know they need to be dealt with, but everything was was still kind of in control. 
you know, when the road warrior happens, it's, 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 it's out of their hands at that point. And that, that makes it a wasteland movie. Right. Right. You know, he had wandered out into the wasteland at the end of Max, but we didn't know, like, to the extent of how far the world has gone. You know, the society's walls were starting to break down, but by the time the Road Warrior happens in the two, three years there are between Mad Max and the Road Warrior, everything's gone. <laughs> you know, there's no semblance of control or anything. It's this roving gang of marauders after marauder after marauder. I, I had to I had to write myself there because you're gonna have those listeners say, "What the fuck, man? Mad Max is the best of that series." Yeah, but it's not a wasteland movie quite yet. So yeah, I still you know I'll I'll put my neck out on the chopping block. I still think Road Warriors at the same time is a much better movie. Yeah. It's it's the pinnacle of that series. I, I I I appreciated Mad Max more as an adult, but the Road Warrior is is a better movie in my opinion too. Yep, same, same. I totally agree. Well, good. I had a feeling somebody else was going to pick Road Warrior besides me. Besides me, everybody else has their own picks, and not, they, their picks are not wrong. But I, 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 at the end of the day, there's really one decision, though. I, I don't know. Again, not not hating anybody else's choice, but though all these films, these Australian, these these uh, these, uh, these Italian movies that were made like this, they're all modeled after one movie, and that's and that's the Road Warrior. <laughs> right. Everybody's got to have a Lord Humongous. Everybody's got to have a Max, you know. And <laughs> I take that back. There's a film called The Ultra Warrior, not not Jim Helwig the wrestler, but Yul Brynner the badass. If yeah, 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 the yeah, Warrior, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. I've seen the Yul Brynner joint. That's kind of like the first post-apocalyptic film early on that I could think of. So I guess that'd yeah. be like the the first one that I could think of, not as good as the Road Warrior, but pretty pretty fucking good. It's it, it's a it's it's a it's a rarity. So if you haven't seen the the Ultra Warrior, you know, go uh go crash the plane and check it out, guys. You know. Yeah, definitely, it's a good it's a good one. Is and I think it was one of uh, Yul Brynner's last, wasn't it? Or if it was his last, close, very close. I'm gonna say it was one of them. Again, another guy I, I learned from other films before I saw his badass stuff because. Uh, but my my grandma was all about the Rogers and Hammersteins, and I saw the King and I first. So so there's there's that. Yeah, I was gonna say King and I, uh, pretty good, pretty good. I was gonna say I looked it up while we were talking. It was his second to the last movie. Well, he did this, Future World, and Death Rage, which is his, ultimately oh, I, his last movie. I thought he went on a Future World. I was like, God damn, he had nothing to do in that fucking movie. I'm like fuck, you know. <laughs> yeah, he, he was. He was. That's why I almost say that's not even doesn't even count. Is it's like almost like they just reused footage. If you haven't seen it, because they didn't he, give him hardly anything to do. He, he gives Blythe Danner a boner by walking around her dreams. Okay, that's that's his whole role in that movie. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, what a role to have, right? Well, she was very cute back in those days. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, Joel Brenner, rest in peace. But. uh yeah, <laughs> we can imagine Yul Brenner as as uh, Lord Vile in this. That would have been a fucking hoot and a half. It would be like uh, like um, Coach Jack Telly Savalas, the, the the part where he shows up in, in Horror Express and then nothing else matters at that point. You know, right, right, yeah, because yeah, nothing else matters when you got uh, you know Telly Savalas on camera. Uh, so it's so good. Like he just shows up, he just. 
if there's one guy that ever shut down Peter Cushy and Chris Rooley, that's Kelly Savalas at Horror Express. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, well, that being said, let's get into our final thoughts and ratings on this. And you know how things work around here. Guests go first. So go ahead, Gary, give us your uh, rating uh, scale from 1 to 10. Um, yeah, this, this is fine. It, it's it's better than a lot of these post-apocalyptic movies. And there's an odd sports angle to it. And I, I was going to make the request at the, you know, the beginning of this episode and that, you know, we started as, you know, you saying you're Larry Zonka and I'm Mike Adamley, or there's the opposite of that. And this is American Gladiators. But um, <laughs> people have been so confused by that if they were young listeners. And, uh, but as soon as I started watching it, it, it felt like that. Yeah, except like dirty and bloody, <laughs> you know? Yeah, a lot more dirt, a lot more blood, a lot more injuries. It's like they have Breakthrough and Conquer, and then they then they start the joust right away, <laughs> you know? Um, but no, it's it's very fun. Like I said, it keeps your attention to the whole thing. So I I, could, I can't say that about a, a, about half of these post-apocalyptic movies. That'll keep your attention to the whole thing. Because there's always those lulls in there. They say, you know what, this is a little ridiculous, but you know what, I'm, I'm kind of sleepwalking until we get back to the good stuff again, you know. But um, I'm going to give this seven rotting dog skulls out of ten. Seven rotting dog skulls out of ten. All right. I think I'm going to match your seven. I'm going to match. I'm going to give it seven, seven rotting dog skulls out of ten. I probably would have given it an eight if they had, uh, you know, had a little bit more Hugh Keys burn, maybe introduced him a little bit sooner. Kind of, I was just looking forward to seeing him in this more, and I forgot how going into this, you know, watching it this time around, just how little he was in it. And, you know, it it could have benefited from a little bit more story structure. I would have liked a little bit more story structure, but it's it's just not that kind of movie, and that's my own tastes and things getting in the way, you know, if it had a little bit more story, maybe gotten to the city a little bit sooner again, you know, had a little more, the Lord vile character had a little bit more Richard Norton. I could have easily given this an eight or an eight and a half, but it's action packed. It's really well shot. David Egby is a reason to show up here. Uh, you know, the director of photography is really, really stellar. Uh, David Webb Peebles for having only directed this film. I wish he would have directed more. I, I kind of liked his directing style. You know, he made he made you feel every hit, kick, punch, and karate chop of the of the juggers. And yeah, the, I mean, uh, other than a little bit of slowing down when it gets to the city, you know, it, it really moves along at a brisk pace. You know, it doesn't waste a whole lot of time. You know, the world building happens as you explore this world. It doesn't slow down and like, hey, there's eight pages of exposition. You know, they give you eight sentences of exposition and then you got to go on your merry way. But yeah, I I fucking dig this movie. Um, you know, I'll, I never tire of seeing Rucker Hauer in anything. And so, yeah, seven out of ten for me as well. But that being said, we'll probably stick a pin on in this one. It's 420 in the afternoon. So, folks, if you're... Uh, you know, as we're recording this, it's 420. If, you, if you've got them, smoke them, go for it. Uh, if, and if not, well, you know, that's on you. <laughs> you. You might turn that dog skull into a, into a bong if you're good enough, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, hell, they could turn sockets and, and wrenches into a chessboard. They can do anything. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> well, Gary, I want to thank you for coming on the show. It's been a while since we recorded together. I, I miss recording with you, brother. I miss too, man. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a bad 
three or four months for me as far as like getting anything done. I mean, we, we have a torchies that's been sitting on the shelf for forever that I was going to try to get done today, but it's more than likely next week. Cause I have a, I have a busy weekend with my, uh, I'm going to hang out with my cousin on Saturday and go and do days of the dead on Sunday. So that, 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 uh, that just happened this morning, right? This is a Saturday thing, but still, it, it is what it is. Um, if you know my, my situation with my sister, this is the reason why I get busy. And then work gets busy and, you know, re- real life stuff, guys. But uh, I, I have Sometimes life plans. gets in the way of fun, right? Yeah. I have major plans for December as far as shows go, what we're doing, because I, I hate the holidays. So we uh, were going to do November. Too, man. Yeah. We were going to do November for November, but we couldn't get nothing happening. Iris, uh, she's in the healthcare industry, so she's literally building and, and administering administering a brand new hospital. So, so oh shit, she's very very busy with that. And send her my condolences. Yeah, she's extremely busy with that. And uh, so get t- t- torches should be out next week. I'm hoping and record a new one. I, I have no idea what's next. It's been that long since we've done one. Um, but we're gonna do seasonal depression uh in December because. This is a thing where I'm going to make people sad about stuff. We're we're going to do we're going to do hereditary on purpose on one of those shows. So, <laughs> oh, hereditary man, that's a that's a mind screw movie. I like that movie. I, I don't it get it, it is it is a great movie, but you know nobody wins it. You just feel disgusting afterwards. You know. Maybe Terms of Endearment, because, you know, spoilers alert, I mean, me in Terms of Endearment, I always thought that, that you know, good old Shirley MacLaine as as uh, Aurora Greenway was kind of a, my first introduction to, like, a badass female character. Like, she didn't take any shit. So this is why I love Terms of Endearment, and the, the sequel, uh, The Evening Star, is not bad either, but, um... <laughs> Wait, that's a sequel to Terms of Endearment? Yeah, it's, it's, worth, it's worth a watch. I, I'd say so. Oh, okay. I'll have to check that out. She's trying to fuck Bill. Pa- She's trying to fuck Bill Paxton in that movie. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's fun. It's fun, man. It's, it's, I've, it's, never, it's, I've never seen that. I have heard of it many times, but I've never seen it. It gets very sad in parts, you know, towards the end, of course, because you know, the inevitable, inevitable happens. But I don't want to give anything away. But uh, it's 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 um again, Aurora Greenway. I saw when I was like. Eight years old on Showtime one day. I like, and even then I said, "This is just a badass female. She don't take any, nice. you know." That's Shirley MacLaine in a nutshell, though. Oh man, oh, yeah. she's always been that way. Oh yeah, love her, love her. Yeah, we talk, we 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 talked about Shirley MacLaine on this show, and God knows what else. These are the tangents, people. So if you can't accept tangents on a, on a podcast, you're listening to the wrong one. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, because we go on tangents and digressions all the time. But as I often say, it's our show. We can do whatever the fuck we want. I do I do what I want. Come on, man. I do what I want. <laughs> all right. On that note, I'm doing what I want. I'm going to get the hell out of here because I got some errands to run. And I'm sure you got shit to do, sir. I want to thank you for taking a couple hours out of your time to do the show. It's always fun times with you, man. Oh, always a pleasure, man. I'm looking forward to uh, future stuff and more and more frequent stuff. and. I forgot to mention Fleas and Flicks is not going to be in December, probably like mid-January, because I'm picking up some okay. stuff. And my, my friend Arthur is donating two amazing items, um, one that's going to go with the Christine stuff. And I'll let you guys decide if it should go together or, or broken up, because 
I'll tell you, once you guys see this picture, he's not a guy who does a lot of conventions, but you're you're gonna shit a brick, okay? Let's put it that way. It's, oh, it's, I'll uh, be I'll be up for it, man. You know me, I always donate to the fleas and flicks. It's it's amazing looking, okay? It's um, oh my god, that <laughs> that another picture that's pretty 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 iconic too. So, awesome, awesome, sounds good, man. Uh, well, that being said, we'll bid you a fond farewell, folks. We have been taking another trip through the sands of the wasteland here on Cinema Degeneration. We want to thank you, as always, for listening. And as Lord Vile says, our broken juggers in half, smashed their bones, left the ground beneath me wet with their blood. There's nothing I wouldn't do to win. But I wouldn't have never hurt anyone for any reason other than sticking a dog skull on a stake. Victory. <laughs> Walk it slow. Oh, always, always walking slow. You got to strut, man, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>